We're talking about faith. Uh, I'm in a series about faith. Now, our verse that we've been referencing is Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verse 6. That says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Then we are in the middle of an account in the Old Testament uh, of Daniel, recorded in Daniel. Three guys by the name of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Microphone's acting weird back here. Like my shirt? (laughs) You're so vain, you know. Uh, what was I talking about? Oh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, these three guys who are uh, working for King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Nebuchadnezzar is this psycho, crazy, narcissistic nut job who's the ruler of Babylon, a great conqueror. He kills people just for the sport of it. Uh, everybody fears him, rules with a rod of iron. Uh, very narcissistic. I mean, Sometimes maybe we'll get more into detail and study just on, <laughs> on this guy. But he eventually really literally did go nuts for a while. But uh, anyway, he decides to build this 90-foot tall, if I got the dimensions right, uh, golden statue. Gigantic golden thing. And uh, people were supposed to, when the band played, they were supposed to fall down and worship the idol. And, uh, you know, anyway, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they wouldn't fall down and worship the idol because they knew God says, you don't worship idols, you just worship me. So uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar brings him in. Normally, he'd kill people just, just like that, but he liked these three guys. And he gave them another chance and said, hey, give me know when the band plays, you better fall down and worship or I'm going to throw you alive into this blazing furnace. Well, we read their response to the king in Daniel, the third chapter, verse 17. He says, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve, number one, is able to deliver us from it. Number two, he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. And number three, even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Now, we're eventually going to get to the rest of that account. All right. But uh, we want to talk about this. This is one of the most brilliant, concise statements of faith in the Bible. Three things. Number one, God can do it. Number two, he will do it for me. And number three, even if he doesn't do it, we will not bend. We will not bow. We will not worship your idol. Okay. Now, we've been talking about the first two. And we're going to get to number three about the even if he does not. But I want to spend some more time on that first two. How does one get to the place where they confidently believe that God can do it and that he will do it for them? How do you get to the place where you can really experience faith and see God do miracles in your life? Well, one of the ways that you have to be able to do this is what I call seeing with the eye of faith. You've got to be able to see it by faith before you experience it. Now, we read about this in Mark, the 11th chapter, verse 24. Jesus says this. He says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now, what's he talking about? Well, he said, therefore, I tell you, whenever you see a therefore, you should see why it's therefore. Yeah, okay. So we'll back up to verse 23. Verse 23 says, he says, I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, very famous verse of scripture, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, 
but believes what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, see now what he's just set up here is an incredible situation. What he's talking about is the impossible. And what he's saying is the impossible is possible. And I want you to know something. I don't know what you're facing right now in your life. Whatever circumstance you have sitting here at one of our campuses, those of you who watch us by television, I know some of you are facing real horrible circumstances. I want you to know something. No matter what you're facing, God can change your circumstance. There is nothing impossible to him. He said, well, it seems like it's impossible. Well, it does to you, but it's not to God. God does not look at your situation and go, whoa, out of my league. Okay? <laughs> he can change. Nothing is impossible. The, the point he's making is not that nothing's impossible. He's trying to show them how you get to the impossible. So what he says is, if you will believe it in your heart, nothing is impossible. So the question is, how? do you get to the place where you believe it in your heart? Because if you believe it in your heart, nothing is impossible, right? That's the setup. Therefore, you have to believe you've received it, and then you'll get it. Now look at the tense. If you believe you have received it. What? That doesn't make any sense. If I have received it, then I got it. No. He says you have to believe you have received it, and then you will receive it. That's a little confusing at first. Because once you believe that you have received it, then it becomes real to you. It's in your heart, and now nothing is impossible. To get to the point where you believe that you have received it, what he's talking about is the ability to be able to see it in your mind. If you cannot picture the miracle that you're looking for, you will never get it. Isn't that encouraging? Now, it sounds hard. What I just said sounds complicated. You mean, believe? You actually have to believe that you've received it before you get it? Gee, I don't know if I can do this, Pastor. That sounds very complicated. No, 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 no. You're all great at this. Every one of you here are experts at this. Some of you have advanced PhDs in this. You do this all the time. It's called worry. <laughs> It's called worry. It's called fretting. It's called insecurity. It's called paranoia. Some of you guys do this at an extremely high level. Because what is worry? Worry is looking at something and imagining it and thinking about it and rolling it around in your mind. And you can see it. Oh, yes, it's going to be horrible. It's going to be so horrible. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, no, it's going to be much more horrible than I thought. Oh, it's going to really be horrible, horrible. And, and, and I just know it's going to be real. And it becomes so real to you because you literally have experienced it here to the point Point, it physically changes you to where your blood pressure starts to go up. Your nerves start to fray. Your stomach tightens and starts to get sick. All over something that has never happened. And may actually never happen. But you're full of fear. And you rehearse this over and over and over again. People who are paranoid. Oh, I just know. I just, I'm not paranoid. I know everyone's out to get me. I just know it, you know, just, you know, just because constantly living this thing out in your mind. Some of you who are so insecure, oh, pastor, I just know nobody likes me, and I just know nobody likes me. Just, you don't know that. 
You see, they might like you. No, they might hate you. That's not the point. The point is you don't know that. <laughs> the thing is you are living. Oh, they just, they don't like me. No, nobody likes me. Everybody thinks I'm too fat. I'm too fat. I'm too ugly. I'm too ah. And you live paranoid and a lot of you become secluded and you live in your own little mental castles and you don't want to connect with anybody because you know nobody likes you. How did you get there? Because you've experienced it here and it got into here and it becomes your reality. We do it all the puking time. In fact, you have to work not to do it. That's how much it is a part of the human experience. <coughs> we routinely believe we have received something before we ever get it, and it actually affects the outcome of our lives. What Jesus is trying to get us to understand is, hey, you need to do this in faith. You need to believe that you've received it before you got it, because then it will get into your heart, and then nothing will be impossible to him who believes. You've got to get this in your Why is that? Why is it so important to see it before you get it? Because when you see something, you can believe it. We tend to believe what we can see. Well, that's the power of seeing. Oftentimes with fear, we're not seeing here, but we're seeing here, and it becomes very real. In fact, it's so real to some of you. Some of you have so many fears and paranoias. I, I and 30 other people can reason with you why what you're thinking it will never happen, and you won't believe us. Why? Because you've seen it so often in here. We can try and tell you why your fears are irrational and why you don't have to worry about it. But it doesn't matter. It's, because it's so real, because you've seen it here. And once you've seen it here, you expect to see it here. And you live this out. Once you see something, it changes you. The possible or the impossible now becomes possible once you can see it. I've been sharing with you, as we've been talking about faith, about this documentary, documentary I saw a couple of years ago. If you ever get a chance to see it, see it. It's a fabulous documentary hosted by William Shatner entitled How Star Trek Changed the World. I think it's like a two-hour, at least a two-hour documentary where they go and they actually see how much of technology today has been affected by people who saw Star Trek. And I've mentioned just a few of them. You know, for example, like MRIs, the ability to look inside people's bodies without cutting and get vision, real clear vision, more than extra, but actually, and they asked the guys who developed this and created this, where did you get this idea? They said, we, when I was 16, I saw it on Star Trek. <laughs> because McCoy would take that little eraser, you know, and he could see inside the body, you know, ooh, ooh. And once they saw it, they thought it could be possible because I've seen it and I know. And once you get a picture on the inside, it starts to become possible for you. Even in the natural, and I'm not talking about that, I'm talking about how to get to the supernatural. Remember, you guys, when we first saw this, how amazing it was in the 60s in Star Trek when Kirk would walk up to the elevator and the doors would just open automatically and close behind him. It's like, whoa, how does the door know you're coming? I mean, this is amazing. And then, of course, those of you here walked through the doors this morning. That as soon as you walked through it, it just went <laughs> and behind it. Because, and they asked the guys who created this. They said, yeah, we got the idea from watching 
Star Trek. Something that was impossible suddenly seemed possible because they could see it. That's the power of being able to visualize something. Do you remember when they, when they first did it? The only way it worked is you had to step on a black pad. You guys remember that? Some of you geezers like me, you know, you young guys, you, you think life has always been this way. It had always been this way. You used to actually have to open the door by yourself. Radical concept. <laughs> you know, and then they had the black pad. And when you step on the black pad, and even that was amazing. Whoa. Whoa. You know, we were so fascinated by that. But that wasn't enough because on Star Trek, they just walked up to it and it happened automatically. So they had to get to the next level because they knew it was possible because they'd seen it and now they've got these little radar things. So when it walks up, it sees you coming. You don't have to step on anything. And in you go. Do you remember how amazing it was when Kirk was on a planet? And he needed help. And he reached into his pocket and he pulled out his communicator and he said, Scotty, beat me up. We thought, oh, wouldn't that be amazing if you could actually talk to your friends with something on your belt? Oh. <laughs> wouldn't that be amazing? And we all thought, that's impossible. That's, you know, we thought having, having a phone in your car, how would you do that? Because well, you, you couldn't get a line long enough. You'd have to drag it with you as you go, you know. And now we all have these little communicators. And, and don't text while I'm preaching, by the way. And then uh, he really is an idiot. But don't do that, all right? <laughs> okay, pay attention. And, 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 and they talked to the guys who developed this. And they said, where did you get the idea? They got it from watching Star Trek. This documentary went on and on for two hours of all the technologies and stuff that have changed and stuff they're still working on because they're still trying to duplicate what they saw. Because once they saw it, they saw it has to be possible because I could see it. The truth of the matter is for you to be able to succeed in any area of life, you have to be able to see it first. I was talking to Bryce Pop. You know, between the services, you know, NFL football player, NFL player of the year, incredible defensive player. He says, man, they, they taught us you got to be able to see it before you can do it. you got to be able to see it before. Because you have to convince in your mind. Because once you do it here, it convinces here. And then you can actually go out there and make it happen. It's the power of thinking. Now, amazingly, the Bible talks about this. We don't hear about it much because we don't talk much about our brains. The Bible talks an awful lot about how you think and the importance of how you think. What we hear and have heard for 40, 50 years in the church is the importance of your heart. What you feel. And make no, 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 no doubt, the Bible's very important. It does talk about your heart and the importance of your heart and getting your heart and all that kind of stuff is true. Okay? But we almost never hear preachers talk about the head. When in fact the Bible talks more about your head than it does about your heart. Why? Because the head is the gateway to the heart. Because if you can believe it, you can get it in your heart and then nothing is impossible to you. So the Bible routinely talks about it. And we're going to be doing this. I'm going to show you how the Bible talks about watch what you think about. Whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things have good report, intentionally think about these things. The Bible throughout the Old Testament talks about meditating on the scriptures, intentionally thinking about God. And when they say meditate, it doesn't mean, you know, sitting in a lotus position going, oh, you know, clearing your mind or something. It's talking about intentionally thinking the thoughts of God, the positive things of God. Because if you can think it, if you can reflect, if you can have the mental discipline, the Bible says to be 
carnally minded or just naturally minded like most of us think all the time. It's death. Some of us wonder why I got so much death in our lives. It's because of the way we think. But to be spiritually minded is life. And he's constantly reminding us, trying to show us, you've got to be spiritually minded. We have to intentionally think in positive faith ways. It won't happen automatically. You have to do it intentionally. All the other stuff happens automatically. Hating people, piece of cake. <laughs> Worrying about stuff, well, you can do that while doing 30 different things at the same time. Paranoid, everybody insecure, all that happens automatically. But when it comes to faith, you've got to intentionally sit down, take the time, make the energy, and do it. Or it won't happen for you. A lot of what we do is because we have thought about it first and we've rehearsed it first. You know, some of you, some of you guys are just, you get so mad at people. The reason you're so mad at people are because you constantly rehearse it in your head. You, and then you explode and you have no idea why you exploded. But back up the movie a little bit because you're constantly thinking, boy, if that guy ever does that to me, I'm going to punch him in the face. And boy, if anybody ever treats me that way, I'm going to show them a thing or two. Boy, they better never do that to me. You rehearse this over and over and over and over in your head and suddenly somebody does it and then you... <laughs> and you go, oh, I don't know why I reacted that way. <laughs> I'll tell you why you reacted because you rehearsed this a million times in your head first. Talk to people who commit adultery, affairs. They're devastated how awful and terrible it is for their families. And they often say, well, I don't know how it happened, Pastor. It just, it just happened. I don't know. I never planned it for it. Horse manure. You rehearsed it a hundred times in your head over and over and over and over again. And when the circumstances finally line up just right, you did something incredibly destructive and stupid. Why? Because you made it so real here, it became real here, and then it became destructively real here. We need to learn to control what's going on in here. We need to learn to walk in faith. Worrying is believing you have received it to the point it becomes so real to you it physically affects you. But faith is believing you have received it to the point it becomes so real to you that it affects you spiritually. Again, you're all experts at this. What most of us have never done or hardly ever do is intentionally do it in a positive way. Take some time as we're doing this series. And I'm going to be reminding you intentionally. Man, take five minutes of your life. Good Lord, I won't kill you. Five minutes of your life when you turn off the stupid TV or the radio pulls things out of your brains. And sit down for five minutes. Sit down and actually picture your answer to prayer that you're trusting God for. To the point where you're thinking how great it's going to be when this changes and this is going to happen and it's going to be awesome. And it's going to, you will do it to the point it literally will affect you physically just like worry does. Only now your blood pressure will go down, your nerves will be calm, and your stomach will feel just fabulous. And suddenly out of your mouth you'll start saying things like, thank you God, praise the Lord, hallelujah. 
Why? Because you're already, people who talk like that in the midst of horrible circumstances do it because they've already experienced it here and here. They don't have to wait. See, a lot of you guys, you wait till it actually physically happens. I'll praise the Lord when it finally changes. Well, what these things can do? That's easy. Easy to praise the Lord when everything's great. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Man, some of you win in the lottery, you'll be in here just, praise God, hallelujah. As long as things are going great, hallelujahs. Until that happens, you know. Where are you going, church? <laughs> well, praise the Lord. My life stinks. No. So some of that, you have such a hard time singing, some of you guys. I see you in the back. The whole time we're singing, you're going like this. I guess you have faith because you're trying to sing with your mouth closed. I guess that's faith. That's... And I'm not just trying to beat it. By the reason why you're that way, you, don't, you can't get this right. People who come in here and they're singing and thanking God isn't because their life is great. Some of you people who are singing the most this morning have the most horrible circumstances going on in your life right now. But why are you able to sing? Because you have seen it on the other side. Hallelujah. You walk in faith. This is powerful stuff. This alone, man, will change your life if you get this. I've shared the story many times, but it reminds me of some years ago, we lived in Decatur, Illinois, the armpit of America. <laughs> and, uh, we lived in a mobile home, and things were tight. Those bad. You know, we had nothing. We had to look up to see how the poor people lived. And uh, someday we'll be poor, just hang in there. And uh, I, I, <laughs> I remember... Uh, we needed like $200 for something. I can't remember what it was. And it was like the end of the world to me. I didn't have $200. $200 back then was like, it might have been $10,000. I didn't have it. I didn't know what we were going to do. And sure enough, I get caught up in the fear of thinking, oh, it's going to be horrible. I can see it. Oh, it's going to be terrible. They're going to drag me off in chains and beat me in the public square. It's going to be awful. It's going to be awful. And fear comes into your nerves and you tighten up and you're freaking out. And just... I remember calling my mom, checking in with mom. How's it going? Okay. And I said, well, you know, I, I, I got this bill. I don't know what happened. It's $200. I don't know where I'm going to get $200. This is $200. It's $200. My mom said, oh, I'll just send you a check for $200. <gasps> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Now stop and think about this. Here's the event. I'll send you $200. Before this event, I'm like, as soon as she says, I'll send you $200, it's like, hallelujah. I felt great. A smile came on my face. I was calm. What happened? Nothing. What changed? Nothing. I still had the bill. It was still due. Did I have the money in my hand? No. But as soon as she told me she was going to stick it in the mail, Hallelujah. Why? Because I could see it coming in the mail. I could picture it. I could, oh, it's going to be great. It's gonna, I don't know how many days it's going to take, but I'm going to get it. It's going to be fabulous. I'll pay it off. And I'll be the, it'll be wonderful. But nothing changed. Still the same. But everything changed, even though nothing changed at all. As you know, uh, Deb and I, we've got this uh, 
uh, new struggle with the cancer and stuff and taking the treatments and doing chemo and all this other stuff for the next, you know, six months and stuff, you know. But uh, we, our, our brain is not fixated on that. Our brain is fixated on the other side. I sit down and I literally take time and I just imagine what it's gonna be like when there's not a trace of cancer in her body. I visualize it just like the opposite of fear. I picture her healthy and all. I imagine her irritating me at 97 years of age. Getting on my nerves, me getting on her nerves. It's gonna be fabulous. It changes, so what happens? You get to a place of faith, why? Because I envisioned it here, and it gets in the here, and once it's in here, nothing is impossible to him who has it in here. But it's gotta start here. You say, Pastor, are things still hard? Yes. Are things still miserable? Yes. Are things still awful? Yes, yes, yes. Why are you happy? The check's in the mail. <laughs> Okay, we're going to teach more on this. I don't expect you to get this in one setting. We're going to be going, and I'm going to show you in detail how to get here. But start doing this. Become aware of nothing else. Just become, catch yourself when you're in the freaking out worry stage. And try this exercise. Take five, ten minutes in your day. Sit down and just picture everything going right in your life. Everything. And here's the thing. People who are in unbelief, they can't do it. Some of you will find you can't do it. And the minute you find you can't do it, you'll know you're in a bad place. I went to some people in the church. And I just wanted to run some things by some people, you know, someone, their, their, their child is sick, someone else great financial trouble, someone else something else. And, you know, Pastor, will you pray for me? You know, because we've got to change this. And I just asked them the question. I said, let me ask you a question. Can you imagine in your mind, can you see that circumstance cha cha changing? I thought I would get a response like this. Well, I don't know. Let me, let me see if I can imagine. But what stunned me was not, well, they said no. All of them said no. It wasn't, wasn't the fact that they said no. It was how quickly they said no. The minute I asked them, can you imagine that changing in your life? And instantly, they, all three of them said, no, I can't. I thought, whoa, we're in a bad place. The minute you can't, or you should be able to imagine anything. If I said, imagine a pink elephant on the stage, you can all imagine that. And there's not really one here. I don't think. No, there's not. <laughs> I saw it for a second. I had to check. If I said, imagine a dog flying around the room, you can all imagine that. Just like, your mind is capable of imagining anything. That's why you can do so good in fear. You can take a war second and you can paint it in a heartbeat. But some of you, when it comes to imagining the change of positive in your life, you can't even see it. And you know it. It's because you are locked in unbelief. I'm going to be showing you how we break through that and change that. Some of us, you do this, it'll shock you that you can't even see it. That should be a warning sign to you about what a bad place you're in, in terms of faith. Don't feel bad, we're just gonna show you how to change. But become aware of how you think, okay? 
Because how you think has so much power on what gets into here. If you believe this, Jesus said, nothing is impossible to you. Therefore, you've got to see yourself already getting it before you get it. Because then faith can come. And you can start to loose the power of God in your life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, your truth, your faithfulness. God, we thank you, Lord, that we can put our trust and hope in you and we are never disappointed. But Lord, we need to get to a place of faith. Lots of us, Lord, I dare say all of us here are extraordinarily guilty of doing this in reverse. Some of us have never done it in the positive way. Help us to learn to start being disciplined in our thinking, to intentionally picture your answers changing our lives to the point it physically changes us, to the point we start smiling, to the point we can start praising God even though nothing has changed because we're walking in faith. Because once we can believe it in our heart, nothing is impossible to him who believes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite the ushers if they would come as in our, as a, and as our worship team comes back up on stage as we prepare for communion this morning. Pastor Mark has again reminded us and challenged us. The writer of the Hebrews says to us again, without faith it is impossible to please God. Impossible. Another place in God's Word it talks about the fact that with faith, all things are possible. The challenge for us today is that we are to have faith in God. Have faith in God. In a few moments, we're going to be partaking as a family in a meal. We're going to be sharing a piece of bread that represents the body of Christ and a cup with grape juice or wine in it that represents the blood of Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. Having faith in God having faith in who he is, having faith in the cross of what Jesus did on that cross for us. And by the way, just so that uh, no one, everybody's comfortable this morning, the cross is not up there. It's not because we've taken it down. Well, we have taken it down, sorry. And that give faith if you see it there. I better get that. It's in the hallway right now. It is going back up. We just did a little bit of remodeling. I know a couple of you have asked me, say, what's happened to the cross? What's happened to the cross? It's going to go back up. Uh, but the challenge for us this morning is having faith in a God and having faith in what God has done, what Jesus did on that cross and taking hold of that truth. You see, the Word of God says to us that we are not condemned, but we are convicted. There are some here this morning, right now, have been maybe from the beginning of the service, maybe during the, as the Word is being preached, Maybe at this very moment or experiencing what the Word of God talks about as being conviction. The Holy Spirit convicting you of your sin. Not condemning you. You see, condemnation brings about hopelessness. That it's hopeless. There is no answer. There's nothing I can do about it. Nothing anybody can do about it. It's absolutely impossible. But conviction is pointing something in our hearts and our lives. And the Holy Spirit convicting us of sin where there is hope. There is an answer that Jesus did die on the cross and we can put our faith in what he did. 
that we can have faith in God and experience His saving, salvation, restoration, wholeness, freedom from that sin. Someone here this morning, as it was in the first service, as it was at our campuses, as it was at the Sanger, throughout the city, wherever people are gathering this morning and being challenged by God's word, that we can respond in faith. In a few moments, I'm going to invite us all to pray a very simple prayer. This prayer is not a magic wand. It's not pixie dust we're going to sprinkle. But it is a prayer, a simple prayer of faith, faith that we've been talking about this morning, faith in Him and what Jesus did on that cross. And as we step out in faith and we begin to see it in our minds and in our hearts and take hold of the truth of God's Word, that salvation comes and we are set free. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life that begins right now with Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me? I'm going to invite all of us to pray this prayer this morning. Just repeat this prayer after me. Again, if you're praying at this time, this morning for the first time from your heart and with your mind in gear, basically. You begin your faith walk with God this morning that will continue to lead you into all the promises that God has for you. So would you repeat this prayer after me? Say, Dear Lord Jesus, something in my heart tells me I need you. I now confess my sin and repent of my sin. I turn from my sin and by faith, Faith in you, faith in a God where all things are possible. And I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Savior and my Lord. Amen.